Welcome to Awesome Pimentos Podcast. I am talking with Eric from Counterpunch. Ooh, yes, that's a good sound. Um, so what's going on, dude? How's the weather? Awful. It's uh, it's currently, I think, actual temperature is right at zero Fahrenheit here in Chicago right now. But it feels like temperature, if I'm not mistaken, last time I checked this morning, it was around like negative 18 or 20 with the wind chill and all that stuff that's fucking that's insane that's not good at all yeah no i'm not i'm not excited to go outside and do anything no i don't think anyone is during the winter time i know i'm not at least it's it's sunny so i have that going for yeah me. we don't but, even uh, have the sun going right now um which is kind of dog shit but whatever <laughs> um so how did counter punch start so back in God, does not feel this long ago, but uh, 2000, 2001, Mm -hmm. um, I was playing in a punk ska band called Last Man Out, and we kind of just fizzled out. It was like high school through college kind of project, and, you know, everyone just started kind of going their separate ways, and I was looking for, just to start a new band, another project, wasn't set on what kind of genre, but I've always been a punk kid and a ska kid, so I knew inevitably it would fall somewhere within that umbrella. Yeah, and um, I coincidentally had dated Jared's uh, younger sister in high school, and he was always in like other punk bands and stuff like that. So I uh, I had been playing with the drummer and working through some some song ideas and whatnot, and we started getting talking about bass players or any other any other you know musicians we might have on a line to contact and see if they're interested in playing or just like hanging out and playing some songs and seeing if it goes anywhere. So I reached out to Jared, and we started jamming along with this this drummer, and lo and behold, that was the seedling that would become Counterpunch. Amazing. Um, and you guys got, uh, I want to say, four or five albums out right now? Yep. Uh, four albums, fifth is in the works, and a couple EPs sprinkled in there. Nice. So then, um, are you guys recording new stuff then, yeah? Honestly, we're kind of always writing. Um, if, if you're, if you don't have that creative bug at that moment, someone else in the band does, and they're always kind of passing stuff back and forth. So there's plenty of material to work on and just kind of amassing ideas and amassing songs. And whenever we shape that into an actual album and whittle down, you know, the ideas into like a respectable amount of songs for an LP, yeah, we'll have that next album written. And uh, what do you, uh, uh, what was I going to say? Da, da, da. I totally forgot what I was going to say. God damn it. Um, <laughs> shit. I lost it. It was that staff party last night in the bottom of the IPA. That's exactly what happened. Um, yeah, it's totally not. So you guys tour a bunch too, don't you? We, uh, pre, pre-COVID, we definitely did. Um, yeah. That kind of threw a huge wrench in not only like the entire music industry and just the touring industry in general, but in, in our kind of little world as well. So we've, we've done a few tours since, but it's been definitely slower. Um, we're hoping 2024 as it starts to kind of fill up on the calendar, is going to be a little bit different, but we have done a lot of touring, uh, a couple runs with like strung out face to face, good riddance, uh, the living end. Yeah. They're a good band. Oh, dude, they're so good. It's it's so stupid. Like, they're so good live. It's insane. Yeah, The Living End, uh, I think the first time I saw them, they opened up for The Offspring. 
Yeah, actually, I, I saw that tour here in Chicago. Yeah, it was good, man. That was the first time that I caught them, and I, I had heard them here and there, but I wasn't really big into kind of like rockabilly, psychabilly, that kind of stuff. But they kind of bridged the gap a little bit between that and definitely more of like a traditional kind of like West Coast melodic skate punk thing. So I dug into them pretty hard after that show. You're talking about The Living End, right? Yeah. Correct, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because they're from Australia too, aren't they? Yeah, they, they don't tour the States. So um, when we got that tour offer, I was like, whoa, I don't even remember the last time The Living End were in the United States. Yeah, I don't let either. Let alone doing, doing a tour and not just like a one-off festival show. So I don't know what we have to do, what mountains we have to move to make the availability work. We're going to take this tour. Yeah, I know. They don't uh, they don't really tour too much. They're... Uh... You don't see them outside of Australia too much off, uh, too often, to be honest with you. Yeah, but they are absolutely enormous in oh, Australia. Oh, I know. They're fucking nuts, too. Like, when I see them live, too. Like, that stand-up bass that they play, that dude plays, fuck, man, that's wicked. Yeah, they do, uh, they do a lot of standing on that bass with other humans playing other guitar solos and stuff. It's, it's crazy. They're just such a good live band. Yeah, I think, and that's the thing, I totally forgot about them, too. Like, until you start talking about them, like, fuck, I gotta dive right back into them. Um, so you guys are based out of Chicago? Yeah, it's it's a little bit more complicated than that now since COVID, but okay. um, I sit in Chicago, the van lives in Chicago, all of our merch and equipment lives in Chicago, um, and my dudes are kind of spread out Okay. at this point, so we're kind of all over the place. Uh, Kyle, our guitar player, lives in Denver now. Um... Jared, my bass player, now lives in San Jose, California. So, yeah, things have become slightly more complicated to just do like one-off shows. But obviously, tours or multiple dates, you know, back to back, are very easily doable for us. Just so, makes it a little bit more logistically challenging. But um, by no means have we slowed down because of it, or has it affected us really? So. So I was going to ask you, considering uh, you live in Chicago, uh, what uh, do you cheer for the Bears at all or no? Unfortunately, yes, oh. I am born and raised Bears fan, my bud. Nice. Yes, uh, they uh, they didn't have a good year this year. Uh, honestly, they did exactly what I expected them to do. I kind of pegged them as like a seven and nine, yeah. eight and ten, like somewhere around there, like eight and nine, seven and ten team, and they kind of did exactly what was expected. So. Yeah, it's um, they usually uh, they usually do that quite a bit. To be honest with you, I don't think they've well they've had some decent years back in the day. Back in the day, that's that's the issue is the non-sustained success in modern times. But I think that comes down to ownership a lot of it. Um, the people that are in charge of football operations from the family. Like, if you look at their board of directors, it's so many McCaskies, it's ridiculous. And it's just like, you couldn't pack a boardroom for a professional NFL franchise with stupider, more nepotistic idiots than the McCaskies. That is the <laughs> biggest Achilles heel. But, that being said, yeah. uh, Ryan, Ryan Poles is a very smart dude, and I trust the process. And, you know, when you do a complete basic teardown of an entire organization trying to just stockpile for the future and achieve that sustained success, I'll give him some time. I'll give him credit. I'm not going to judge him on one season because you can't 
redo an entire roster and do a championship roster in one year. No, no, it takes time, right? Like, um, I cheer for the Packers. Um, no. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. Um, I also okay. used to cheer for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I do not do that anymore. Oh, no? No, I got, I'm cheering for the Montreal Canadiens now. Oh, wow. Okay. That's, that is, uh, that's a draft. That quite, that's a shift right there. Wow. Yeah, I just, um, I got sick of, uh, that's the thing. I got sick of that team not winning, and it's like I'm not going to support a team or give them my hard-earned money for them to sit there and lose, right? Yeah, dude. Trust me, I get it. I'm also a Cubs fan, so yeah. Well, that's the thing too. I'm a Jays fan too. I love the Jays. They have a great team. But the Toronto Maple Leafs too is um, it's kind of I don't know. I just can't do it anymore. Like I can't. Like I'll watch the games, or whatever, but. I won't buy any more merch or anything like that. Like, but I just, I don't, I don't understand why they spend all this money on Nylander for eight years. Okay. You got Austin Matthews, man. I know, but you spend all this money for eight years and nothing is, he's probably not going to keep, he's not going to play for eight years either. Of course not. I mean, if you look at, I mean, with the Blackhawks are a hundred percent guilty of those terrible contracts. Yeah. Um, like Seabrook, basically the core from uh, the three rings, you know, the three cups is like all of those dudes got such long extended contracts. And the one that I'm actually the most bummed about that I know he would have played through his entire eight year contract was Hosa. Yeah, that for guy sure. Was my favorite player. I love Hosa. He's such an awesome dude. Yeah, I just don't. Um, yeah, I. I I can see I, I can see Chicago doing it in the next couple of years for sure. They have a young that whatever. Um, I can't see the, the Leafs doing it. The Leafs always fucking choke anyways. Like Austin Matthews, he's fucking great. Nylander's great. Fucking Marner is great. But there's no fuck like they should have won last year. They had everything on paper, and they stunk it up. So I thought I thought for sure the Leafs were gonna have a little bit of a deep run in the playoffs. I had them as like my dark horse team because again they did have all those all those boxes checked on paper, but you know when you can't put it together on the ice, what happens? Well, that's the thing too, right? So, um, so you guys recording? Um, and uh, yeah, I know what do you call. It? I just think it's I think the Leafs are dog shit. I think the whole company that's being <laughs> ran. Sorry, I'm gonna say it right now. I don't no, understand. I don't understand why the fuck, okay, they don't sit there and put because there's no salary cap in the office, right? Like they they could have spent money in the office. You spend all the money you want in the office, right? And still have yeah. a de- and still have a decent team. Like what the like they had that fucking math kid genius running the fucking show for a couple of times and uh, Dupis like he's in. Uh, uh, Tampa Bay right now, isn't he? I think so, yeah. That Something like that. Cool. Like, whatever, man. I don't know. And he's never played hockey in his life either. Like, I don't get it. Like, I think I, someone watched Moneyball one too many times. It's a great movie. And uh, it's probably my top five movies, I think. Um, but uh, you cheer for the Cubs too, yeah? I do. I do. And uh, how's that working out for you? <laughs> I mean, 26. 26- team was pretty magical that was a uh, that was good man that was insane yeah i mean the city i'm surprised the city survived that to be honest with you yeah no that was uh, uh 
thankfully it wasn't a lot of like bus flipping car flipping that kind of stuff it was just so much joy and happiness for not even just like myself for me it was like for my dad who passed that year oh, and I'm like sorry, I, all i could think about was like damn dad we went to so many games i wished god you could be here to see this you know yeah and i'm, I'm sure i'm not the only one because there are generations of fans that cheered on that team and just endured so much heartbreak but hey the future's bright we got a great farm system and a couple really good pieces up the middle defensively and offensively so i think uh i think the cubs the arrow is looking up much like the bears yeah the bears are looking good too um hopefully they uh get to do something sooner or later hopefully they get to the uh to the big dance soon. Yeah, they got some big decisions to make in the next three months, so we really interested to see how this shakes out. Yeah, for sure. I'm with you on that one. But again, in polls, in polls, we trust. I think uh, you gotta you gotta stick through it. See what happens. So I'm gonna ask you one question. What's um, what is uh, your top three favorite bands? Ooh. Any genre? Uh, yeah, it doesn't have to be history. punk rock. No, no, I'm a huge hip hop head too. So like, um, yeah, I know any genre. Mm. That is such a hard question to answer, man. Yeah, no. Um, but it's a good one. So thanks mm. for asking. You're welcome. I'd be a giant idiot if I didn't mention Van Halen. They're like the reason I even started playing guitar to begin with. Like I stole my brother's records. Van Halen tapes cassette tapes at that point and just like you know I was enamored with Eddie and just the sound in general and if you look at a lot of the early Van Halen stuff there there are some songs in there that you could transpose pretty quickly onto like a punk record just based on BPM and just like shreddiness yeah would definitely would definitely fit the bill um Strung Out's a huge one for me yeah they're one of my uh they're in my top five for sure it's just the the way that they're able to craft melodic and, well, and like juxtap- and juxtaposition it over just like really minor shreddy stuff. I mean, someone did a, a video of they took the entire, I think it was Kill 'em All album and transposed every song into a major key from a minor key. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was like, dude, this just sounds like strung out. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, well, they started off as a metal band too, right? Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, they're, well, they're, just, they're all such really talented, all such talented dudes. And, they're uh, fucking wicked, actually. Yeah. I can't, I can't wait for their new record to come out. I'm very excited for that. It's one of yeah. my most anticipated releases of this year for sure. Yeah, I'm uh, excited for that one too. It's coming out in a few months too, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. They just announced it like this yeah. week, actually. This I didn't think, week. I didn't think they're recording either. Yeah, no. I mean, they've been sitting on it for. From oh, what probably. I understand, it's, it's been done and finished for a while, and they've just been kind of like figuring out release plan and artwork and all that stuff in the meantime. Yeah, because you're pretty tight with them too, right? Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. talk to those dudes pretty often. Um, not all of them, but some, you know? Yeah, for sure. Uh, number three, what are you going to say? Number three. Oh, man. Um, I guess we... No, I'm no. Gonna go, I'm going to go Blue Meanies. This is a, I'm going to go full Chicago on this and go Blue Meanies. Blue Meanies. Yeah, if you haven't heard them, dude, you should check them out. I don't even know how to describe what their sound is. Yeah. Um, they were an incredibly influential band for me 
growing up here in Chicago and just being, you know, a 14-year-old, 15-year-old, 16-year-old kid going to shows at the Fireside Bowl or, like, a lot of DIY shows were happening at Knights of Columbus and, like, American Legion Halls here. Yeah. And and obviously, like, the Metro for some of the bigger shows and stuff like that. But Blue Meanies were and are really just a sensory overload experience. Yeah, because they, they were a big alt-rock band, too, weren't they? Yeah, and, like, they, they got signed toward the end of their career. I think they went to a major for for one record and kind of I, I don't know if that was what influenced their sound to be a little bit more mid-tempo mainstream it kind of calmed them down a little bit from the spastic frenetic insane kind of like other stuff that they did yeah when i truly don't it's one of those bands where i don't think recordings really do them justice unless you see some of their live show it's just billy the lead singer is an absolute animal on the mic and it's just the way they flow between that just insane frenetic pace to just really flowy baritone tenor sax driven like melody lines and they have an organ on stage and it's like an old Hammond it's just it's crazy they were a great band and they definitely made me as, as, a, as an artist or as a musician in general kind of think out of the box a little bit more you know it's like so many bands are putting out the same five chord progressions and just saying what they want to say over it and it's like this is totally different and so weird that it's okay to be weird it's okay mm-hmm. to think outside that little genre box you don't have to you know file yourself in this little you know this little folder in the filing cabinet and stick to that folder you can do whatever you want and people are either going to love it or hate it but in the end you did what you were inspired to do and you didn't you know think about anything outside of that in the creation of that kind of music or that song. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's neat too. It's like, um, when I, that was my sound good. Yeah, we're good. Um, like over here in Canada to like, I like propaganda, like that band, that band can do no wrong. Dude, they are, they are, I really have to think about this because they are a very close fourth or fifth. If I had to keep going, you know? Yeah. They, on my list and my list would splinter out pretty weird places after, after the couple, like, Wilhelm Scream would be on that list. Yeah. Just because, I mean, I appreciate, as a musician, I, I definitely appreciate the shreddage and just more complicated riffing and stuff like that in, in music and how all those layers are interlaced and overlaid and work together seamlessly and harmoniously. That kind of stuff peaks my brain in a different way. And at the same time, like, I'm I'm very guilty of loving good pop melodies, too. It's like... I'm not going to hate on a pop star. I'm not going to hate on Taylor Swift. She's an incredibly talented musician and artist, and she writes some great songs. They're catchy. But it hits me differently than something like Wilhelm Scream, where I'm cerebrally invested in like listening to this riff. It makes me want to pick up my guitar and be like, I need to figure this out. This is driving me nuts. I want to know how to play this. Yeah, there are less things, too. It's a Wilhelm Scream. Like, they fucking ripped, dude. Like, I, I, I haven't seen them live yet, because every time I go... Like when I go see, I'm usually fucking working. It's usually a Friday night. Um, but they were just in town. We had tickets. Yeah, they were. They did. They, they did two shows or one show. They did one show in Toronto um, with Gob and uh, Flatliners. Yeah. And uh, we were gonna go, but we uh, decided. Well, the car that we had, we didn't think was gonna make it downtown. And plus, it was 
Oh, well, that's pimento. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Making it be known that that, that, we, they, that that kitty is here. Well, they uh, they run the house, but yeah, Wilhelm Scream's fucking wicked. Um, propaganda, and that's the thing with propaganda, and in, even a Wilhelm Scream too. Is like I get like when smaller bands, and I say I think I probably had this said this maybe two or three times on the uh, podcast, but I totally get um, like younger bands that they want to put stuff out, put stuff out, put stuff out. But I love Propaganda Wilhelm Scream because you know what? They don't just pump it out all the time. They take their time to do it. And to be honest with you, those both of those bands, I don't think have a bad album at all. Yeah, no, I, I will 100% agree with you on that. And there's, to your point, I, I think that less is more, like better quality, rather than just throwing stuff out there constantly. Like, I see both sides of it. Yeah, so do I, I get it. You know, like people, the way digest, people digest and listen to music now, I would say, obviously, is skewed toward streaming and downloads and whatnot, obviously. I love that vinyl has made a comeback because there is, for me, there's something to be said about like the artwork and like having a physical copy in your hand to kind of like just look through because that's a little window into, you know, what the artist envisioned this record to be. It's all yeah. it's all part of the big puzzle. You know, it's not just the songs and the material that you're listening to. It's like what's in front of you. Like, what color scheme did they pick? Did they go dark? Did they go like super, super like emotive or do they go bright colors and like loud and bombastic it's you know it's all it's all part of their vision so but i think a lot of artists get get locked into if we're not putting something out every couple weeks or like once a month we're not being relevant we're not putting new material out there for people to check out but at some time at some point it gets lost in the wash yeah for sure and that's the thing too like that's why i respect about you guys too like i don't your albums are very listenable and you know and you guys take time on it it's not like you know you guys aren't a super huge band but you're like me like you know you got some fame right um sure but it's uh, i think you guys do anyways um but you guys take time on your records and it's not like every like every other indie band or punk band or hardcore that just fucking keeps pumping like there's a new single out and now there's a new album new single new album new single right yeah, I mean um, it, it's it's people's attention span. It's it's like a dual, it's a dual a double edged sword. You know, it's like the the pressure to constantly putting out be putting out content on your pages, and like just getting that 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 um, not relevancy, but just being visual and people being able to lock into your brand or your band constantly and get a little window into your life. You know, like every. 48 hours what's the band up to and it's just like that's not realistic unless you have like a content creator that's literally hired by your band or your management company to just be pumping out stuff all the time if you're on tour it's one thing because you guys are all together you're in a a, in a bus or a van and you're all kind of in the space and there's stuff to talk about but in times like this like right now where for us at least the three of us are kind of like just working on material at home and stuff like that. Like, what do you want to see from, from that? You know, I can give you a little, a screenshot of like, you know, some tracks on a, on a computer screen, but like, is that really interesting to you? Yeah. Do you need to see that? Or would you just rather just wait? And when it all comes together, then you get to enjoy the fruits of that labor. 
So I, I, I see both sides, like artists, at least from my side. Yeah. Um, definitely have that pressure to constantly be just exhaustingly putting out TikToks and all this other crap. Yeah, it's fucking hard. I know running the uh, my uh, IG page for the podcast is fucking... Like, I'm always on it, right? I'm always putting something out in the stories or whatever. And same with TikTok, too. Like, we, uh, I have a TikTok account where I just, like, I just talk and I just fucking advertise the episodes and the bands or whatever. But, no, I get it, too. And that's the thing, too, is, like, even uh, right now, like, you were saying about uh, records. Um, but CDs are coming back, too, apparently. That's so weird to me. That is, like, God, I, I can't think of a worse like a worse form of music than a CD yeah <laughs> and and I'm, I'm saying that from directly from just a technological perspective because the mix that all of us here in the studio when we're really like hammering down to fine tuning the mix and then it gets smashed and compressed onto a CD yeah which is why every time I pop on our record like an actual piece of vinyl on, on like a good on a good system, how much different that same that same album sounds. It's like night and day. Oh, it's crazy how how it's um, how different it sounds. You're totally right. It is I night mean, and day. there are different mixes to account. You know, like I, I'm sure everyone does this. I know I know we do. Where you have a different mix for vinyl than you do for any other format. Um, and it definitely sounds different, but it's 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 more dynamic, and even streaming, streaming the same way too. I mean, everything gets compressed and digitized, and you lose some of the warmth that you get on a clean piece of vinyl on a good system. Yeah, that a lot of people don't care about that, but you know, oh, I I'm do. An like, audio nerd, and I love it. Yeah, no, uh, my uh, my fiance and I, we uh, we have vinyl Sundays, like Sunday mornings. Like we'll make breakfast and put it on a record, and then. That's nice. usually followed by another record and a couple of doobies, and then yeah, and that's the Sunday. It's a great little Sunday, man. It's fucking wicked. And hopefully, uh, hopefully for you, a Packers win. Yeah, I think I think we're good. I think I, I, there's a lot of people calling them a dark horse to win the Super Bowl. I mean, if if defenses keep playing that soft cover two like the Bears did on that last game against them, and unfortunately, like Dallas was doing that all game last night. I was like, "What are you guys doing? This is not your defense." Well, fuck, dude. As soon as as soon as you saw the fucking like the first second quarter, I was like, "This game's over." Like, there's no way. All those shots over the middle of the field that were just like fucking no one within dude. 15 yards of that receiver. I'm like, guys, you got to stop playing this bullshit cover two zone. You gotta you gotta play some press man yep. in their face. Like, literally disrupt the route at the line of scrimmage. Sorry. Go back to football, but no, it's all good, man. I'm totally cool with ball, and that's the thing too. Is like, I was talking to my, uh, one of my buddies uh, last week, and he's like, you know what? I really don't like Jordan Love. I think he's not going to be a franchise quarterback. I'm like, but fucking the clinic that he fucking put on last night and then in the game before. Yeah, I don't want to talk about that game before. That was very, very disappointing. Yes. Very disappointing. But again, they they played super conservative. The Bears yeah. had a really strangely conservative game plan on both sides of the ball, and it was just their defense basically kept them in the game. But it shouldn't have been that close. No, 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 no. They 
and that's the thing too is like um but even like I don't know I think the Packers could win the Super Bowl like if they win their next game I no, I don't know. Pimento agrees with me. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping for the worst. I'm hoping that they're on the golf course after next week, personally. But that's just me. Yeah. My stupid meatball Bears head, you know? It's fine. And that's the thing. The Packers and the Bears have never got along either, right? So. Hey, man. The NFL wouldn't exist if it were not for George Hallis and the Chicago Bears, or should I say the Decatur Staley's. That's fair. Yeah. You're 100% on that one, for sure. Um, so we've been talking for can a I ask, yeah, Can go. I ask you a question? Yeah, man, go. What is your favorite venue in Toronto? My favorite venue? Um, show Big, small, doesn't matter. I do, uh, I like Hard Luck Bar. Um, that's a small place. Uh, fuck, I don't know, man. Um, the, f- um, oh, damn it. Uh, what's the one? Oh, I just lost it too. It's where um, uh, uh, Wilhelm Scream played last time they were here for the Flatliners. What's the fuck's that called? Hold on. It's gonna that was a, that was a bigger venue, too. Um, oh no, it was. I think it was like um, here. Hold on. Maybe it was just Trevor's pictures from side stage that made it look massive. Yeah, maybe. Um, it's pretty well. It's pretty big, I guess. Uh, Music venues, it's gonna bug me. Uh, I like uh, I like the Phoenix a lot too. Um, okay. I also do like um, uh, what's the one that uh, uh, what's this uh, Drake owns in Toronto? Um, Please tell me that Drake does not own the Bovine Sex Club. No, but the Bovine is. <laughs> could you imagine? Um, I like that. I like seeing shows of the Bovine though too. It's fucking good, man, and it's been there forever. So. Yeah, this, uh, bovine is. Um, have you guys played? Games. Have you guys played bovine or no? Yeah, we have um, a couple times. Dan Forth. I was just gonna say the only two places that we played in Toronto were the Opera House. Yeah. And uh, bovine set club bunch of times. Yeah, I know. I'm a big fan of um, the bovine. Uh, the Phoenix is always good. Uh, the one I was trying to think of was uh, the Dan Forth Music Hall. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, um, that, sounds, the, that sounds familiar. The opera house is always good too. Lee's Palace is good. Horseshoe's always good too. Um, but Danforth is probably my favorite place to see a show, and it sucks that it's on the Danforth because it takes you forever to get down there. Like you can get, huh. you can get onto the 401 and get to Toronto, and then you're in Toronto, but you're still an hour and a bit away from the Danforth. So. I mean, dude, I'm no stranger to traffic. Believe me, Chicago yeah, traffic sucks just as bad. I'm sure. And the last big thing too is like we had tickets to go down and see uh, a Wilhelm Scream Goblin, the Flatliners, and uh, the big thing was like we were getting a new car like the next week, and we didn't know if the Subaru was gonna <laughs> fucking make. It. And also too, it was at the Danforth, and it's like to get down there and come home the same night. It's like fuck. It's, so where where is that in location? Like. Where's um, that location in respect to like to where I am? City center. Oh, city center. Uh, and you as well, I suppose. Well, yeah, it's like from us. Like we live in a small town called like a community center, Wellington. So we live in Fergus, and then we have uh, we live in Aurora. So it's a pretty. It's I don't know. Uh, it probably takes us an hour 
uh, I'm gonna say an hour forty minutes to actually get down there, maybe two hours. Damn, yeah. that's that's a commitment. That is, yeah. We go to a lot of shows. Like we don't have any kids, right? So we just have our cats, and um, we go to shows. Um, we uh, we go to a bunch of shows actually. Um, what's your favorite spot to play in uh, Toronto? I mean, I I only have two, so yeah. I gotta go bovine. They've always been really cool to us. It's, yeah. uh, it's always a really fun night. It's just you know, it's just like a small, tight room. And yeah. it's always a good time. And they have a pretty damn good selection of pinball in that back room, too. And they I'm do. Kind of a pinball nerd. So, and... yeah. When we, uh, first time we were playing there, when we were loaded in, I, I like, I stopped loading and I was like, oh man, I got to play this machine right now. Yeah, <laughs> fucking wicked. Bullwine's fucking awesome to see a show. I, like, I've seen, seen a lot of bands there. And also, too, just the whole, like, the vibe of the whole room and how small it is. Um, and everything on the outside is really cool, too, like all the garbage. <laughs> a little tiki, tiki bar up on the roof now. Yeah. <coughs> Sorry, dude. Hmm. No, you're good. <coughs> oh, yeah, there you go. Although the Opera House was a pretty cool experience, but I think that was just because we got to play with Bill and Colin. Yeah. I fucking love Bill and Colin. Fun. That fucking band still rips, too. Yeah, that was the first time. That was like a, a bucket list. You know, I think every musician has like a list of bands that they like dream would like to play with. And Bill and Colin for me was... was one of those on that list yeah it's a pretty long list but I've been fortunate enough to scratch a lot off of that you know yeah have you ever have you guys ever played with no effects yeah a couple times yeah, yeah. how was that it was fun uh never here in the states it's always like overseas but that's not a complaint <laughs> no no it's uh um what's the one uh oh fuck Chicago so is that yeah uh, Lawrence Arms right yeah, yeah, Lawrence Arms Boys. Yeah, they're fucking. There's a fucking other rod band too where I can sit there and say they haven't really put out a bad album. I mean, they have their sound and they're very good at crafting new new records and new songs that are catchy as fuck within that little within that sound. You know, mm-hmm. like you hear Lawrence Arms, you know immediately that you're listening to Lawrence Arms. Yeah, and also too, Chicago, you got Alkaline Trio there too, right? Yeah, they're uh, they're actually going to be pretty active this year. It looks like so. Looks like Skiba Skiba's back. Full I like. I am committed to Southland uh, Tree, which is cool. I like that a lot. Um, well, give me your opinion. Oh, give me your opinion of the new Blink One Eighty Two album. Uh, Sweet. I, I no, feel the man. same way. <laughs> Honestly, like, I kind of, I, I just, it's so hard for me to get into that band. Yeah. Now, yeah. Because, and this is maybe just a personal thing for me. The songs are good, right? But I can't get over how much Travis overplays everything. It's like, bro, sometimes you just got to lay back and get in the pocket and set that rhythm. You don't always have to be like, look, look what I can do. Check this out. Hey. And that's, it always gets to me in parts that it shouldn't get to me in. I'm like, what? why are you doing that on your hi-hat right now? There's literally no reason to be doing like 30 second notes on your hi-hat right now. What is going on? You know, yeah. that's what always gets me, but, um, I'm just happy they're putting out music still. And it's, it's, it's decent. You know, they could have gone it's, totally south. It's fine. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I don't think we needed it to be honest with you. Um, I, I agree with you. I, I mean, I, I'm a weirdo. I liked Skiba Blink. 
So do I, man. I think it's great. Like, I liked it a lot. It was, to me, it was like, he was dealing with a lot of things in his personal life, it seems. And I'm, you know, I'm not like personal friends with him, so I, I can't speak to that one way or another. But just based on things that happened at, at the end of that kind of little era of Alkaline Trio, where he just kind of st- took a step back, he was doing like those weird side projects. And I think I was at one show, I was at a show here at the Metro for for one of those side projects and it was like a basically like a coming out party for that project mm-hmm. and it was just it was just like a total disaster what, what, was, what was that show was, what's that what side project was that I, don't, I can't even remember to be honest with you because I just erased it from memory after that show That's fair. but it was apparent that he was dealing with with some substance stuff going on at that point and it just kind of permeated every portion of his artistic output and to see him come back out with Blink and be, like, a much better singer than Tom, like, right out of the gate, I was yeah. like, oh, man, this actually sounds good because there's so many of these songs that I just, like, I couldn't get over Tom's shitty singing in these songs. And now I'm hearing it with Skiba, and I'm like, I actually like this song now. Yeah. And that's the thing, too, is, like, um, I think, um, uh, like, I like, uh, Pimento, what are you doing? Um... I like uh, Skiba Blink. Um, I think the first album that uh, was produced by John from uh, Goldfinger, mm-hmm. uh, California. That's a really good album. Actually, I think they're all good. And I wish Skiba never left because I thought that band was a lot better than the band that we have now. How's that? I agree. I will wholeheartedly agree. With I think there's two one. songs out on that new album that are okay. Um, and the rest of it, I could care less about. Um, I'm more stoked for and whatever. Like I have a soft spot for Green Day. Um, yeah, dude, that's gonna be a good. That's gonna be a good record. And uh, while we're on the same wavelength, I think the new Alkaline Trio record, once it hits, I think it's gonna massive. be a return to form in a lot of ways. Yeah, and I'm really excited to hear it. I think uh, the new Green Day album is gonna be amazing because uh, they've released a lot of dog shit too. Whatever. Um, sure. I think any uh, American Idiot, I thought was a great album, um, and everything after that, I was like, no. Um, I guess this one's more political themed as well too. So, but I'm looking for that album. New Alkaline Trio is gonna be good too. Yeah, I, I think that band, <clears throat> Alkaline Trio, excuse me, has um, taken a lot of strides. All of them individually in the band. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure who's who's going to be behind the kit. I know Derek Grant kind of like retired from music, unfortunately, which sucks because he was that man was a beast behind the kit. Like I, I would love to watch him work behind the kit. Like I would go to a trio show and sure I'd be singing along to the songs, but I'm mostly I'd just be watching him drum. Yeah, he's a good drummer, dude. So he's like a phenom, man. Like, yeah. I mean, even at 16 and Suicide Machines, Destruction by Definition, like, oh, and I'm not a drummer. So yeah, I do have an eye either. For me to appreciate that and like key in on that is is kind of a big deal. Yeah, but, um, yeah, I think Dan uh, Adriano has has become such a, a more powerful singer since Alkaline Trio put out their last record or were very very active. Yeah, and I think Skiba being clean and his time in, in Blink and just again becoming better at his craft singing. I think they're both much more better, much more powerful singers now, and I'm really stoked to see what comes out of that. Yeah, I think it's going to be uh, 
in my own opinion it's uh, might be my album of the year when it comes out because I don't know anything that uh, Alkaline Trio does I'm a huge fan of so even like their double disc remains 2007 with all the b-sides on it <laughs> that was a fucking great album, yeah. dude like, there's some good songs on there I'm surprised they didn't make the cut yeah there's um fuck uh, what is it uh, da, 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 da. Uh, my standard, uh, my standard uh, break from life. That's a good tune, and same with Hell Yes. That's too. a great tune, yeah. Uh, and same with War Brain too. That's a good one too. I don't know, yeah, I don't know why I have all these. These are really, really good songs on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give that a spin today now. Again, yeah, it's, yeah, it's fucking good, dude. I fuck, I love doing podcasts with people who fucking dig like fucking music too, because like I was talking, uh, what was the fucking band? Uh, I was talking to someone. And we were talking about some, uh, uh, fucking, uh, what do you call it? Oh, God damn it. Uh, lag wagon. Um, <clears throat> and he's like, he said like Haas or sorry, trash is one of his favorite albums. I'm like, fuck, I haven't listened to that album in so long. It's such a good record. I love trash. Yeah. Trash. I would go Haas, trash, uh, duh. And then, uh, let's talk about feelings is good. And I think after that, I'm sort of off the ship with, uh, flag wagon. Oh, but, really? Yeah. Oh, no way, man. Yeah. Heartbreaking music. That's such a banger. Yeah. What's all, uh, what album's that from? Uh, oh, shit. It's like, uh, it's a double I bottom. Just, uh, it's not platinum. That was right after their buddy died. That's actually what that song was about. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, um, I love I love Lagwagon. They are like one of my all time favorite bands. Again, they'd be like a, a four or five on that list, right right up there with Propagandi. Yeah, I would um, I would say yeah. Uh, you know what? You're right. I like Blaze too. Blaze is alright. Oh yeah, it's Blaze. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, how are you stoked about RKL coming back out? I'm actually pretty stoked. Uh, who's singing too? Um fucking uh what's his face <clears throat> from it's the full band but it's not the same singer right because he passed right yeah no yeah it's um fuck they just posted about this too did you so did I uh, what what band is that dude in it's it's like on the tip of my tongue it's gonna kill me once i figure it out um uh no it's not that i'm looking it up right now um, fuck, where is he from? God damn it. The, the, that live album they put out was really good too, though. I like that album a lot too. I, I, like, they were bangers back in the day. Like, they were incredibly talented back in the day. I'm really stoked to see, again, just like how they've, how they've progressed over these years. Because obviously, they've all been active musicians, you know? They yeah. were shredders back in the day, but now it's like, I'm really excited to see what they come up with now. Yeah, I know. Um, uh, it's Tony from Municipal Waste. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I was like, Tom, Terry. Terry, Tom, Tutti Frutti. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, I know. Municipal Waste is actually playing, I think, in a month in London, Ontario. Oh, cool. Yeah, they're a cool fantasy live, too. Thanks. We're actually going to be up your neck of the woods here shortly too. When are you guys going to be in Toronto? 
we're playing Pooza. Oh, that's Montreal. Um, this year, but I always try to work a couple dates around, you know, and like coming from Chicago, obviously the routing's always like Detroit, Ontario, or Toronto, or Ottawa, and then Montreal. Maybe a maybe a Three Rivers or Quebec City if the Mute Boys are aren't around or around and want to want to hang out and play some music. Yeah, Mute's fucking like, wicked too. I love those dudes. They're great guys. Yeah, same with Belvedere too. Yep, just played with them too. Belvedere. Steve's yeah. a great dude. Yeah, it's I good see. To, it's good to just like see him and catch up, and it looks like they're going to be incredibly active in 2024. So I'm excited for that too. Yeah, that uh, that record they released in, I think it was what 2022, um, the Sixth Sense, that fucking thing, that album never left my fucking earphones. Same. It's a it's an absolute banger, and they're such a great live band. Yeah, and they're, they're really such, nice they're dudes so too. Good live. Yeah, of course they're Canadian. Why yeah, not? There you go. It's funny, I had, um, uh, fucking, what's his face, uh, from Jughead's Revenge, he looks at North America like, uh, Lord of the Rings, he's like, the Shire is Canada, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I forget, what, what do you call the, uh, the fucking really bad place in Lord of the Rings? Mordor? Mordor, it, it, that's the United States. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I can't, I can't disagree with you on that one. It's I, funny. Yeah, I thought it was hilarious. His, his analogy. I'm like, that's that's pretty bang on, actually. What do you? I know, I know this is definitely more of a Quebec thing, but mm. what are your thoughts on poutine? I like poutine. Um, I'm a chef as well too, so um, I'm really pissy um, when people melt the cheese curds. Um, they're not supposed to be melted. They're not supposed to be melted what if on. It's just the the natural progression of the heat of the gravy done and the I'm in. Uh, the latent heat of the fry. I'm in. I'm in. Coming out of the fryer. I'm in. So, do you do protein on your poutine? No, 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 no. I just do cheese and. Uh, You're a purist, just cheese gravy fries. Yeah, cheese gravy fries, cheese curds, but also too. Uh, I'm all lactated out now, so I can't really fucking eat cheese anymore. So. Uh, I'm, I'm with you, but that doesn't stop me. I just no, no, I still eat all the cheese, and then Jennifer will come home, and she's like, can you stop eating cheese? That smells like a fucking dumpster fire in here. <laughs> so, I think something, something died in your butthole. She's you like, she'll come, like, dairy. she'll come up, like, from work, and, like, if I'm off, she's like, what? Are you fucking eating cheese again? This is why we buy Kraft Singles for you to eat. pretend to eat cheese. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah I know, I'll put you... There's a hefty box of, uh, of lactate in this house at all times because of that. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I Honestly, I don't know if it if it does or doesn't work. 50-50, the jury's still out on that one. But I still, if I know I'm going to have like a butter party, I'll still, <laughs> you know, if I make, it's like a good example. Last night, it was fucking freezing, right? So yeah. I'm like, man, I'm going to figure out something to fire up the oven. I'm not going to the store. What do we have to work with here? And I just did like chopped in my kitchen. So ended up doing like a nice, uh, I found like a, I had a pork tenderloin in the, uh, in the freezer, just thawed that bad boy out, did a nice rub, browned it, threw it in the oven, did a quick like pan gravy, and then decided that I was going to make the most luxurious, rich mashed potatoes on the planet. Because I don't think people realize that when they cook at home, why food doesn't taste like it does when they go to a restaurant is because it's butter. we are 
we, meaning restaurant folk, are actively mm. trying to kill you with the amount of salt and butter that we put in everything. Yep. Yeah. And like sure. cooking, cooking at home to do it, you feel ashamed of yourself. You're like, wait, an entire stick of butter. Yeah, one pound, <laughs> right? One pound right in the fucking kitchen. You get that fucking thing going. Yeah. Um, so I mean, those dude, those potatoes. They yeah. were so damn good. And but in the morning. As I'm cooking them, I'm like, I'm going to take lactate right now because I know immediately I'm going to start like, you know, I'm going to taste test this as it's going on just to see if I'm missing anything. Yeah. You'll appreciate this. It was, uh, let's see, I had some, just some red, some red potatoes around the house. Normally I would use like a yellow for it, but um, one of our, one of the restaurants in my company has a very very French chef he's awesome dude but his mashed potatoes recipe is absolutely out of this world and it's like 60-40 butter to potato ratio yeah and uh let's see I did a little zatar last night in there oh nice those potatoes little uh little truffle salt nice good work I like that part man it was Ooh, it was so damn good. I'm, I'm actually gonna go eat some of them when I get off the phone with you now. That's amazing. When you throw <laughs> them in, a, brown them up in a, in a in a pan and make yourself a hash. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Some like little one. potato pancakes might be in order. There you go. Um, sweet dude. Uh, so we've been talking for 49 minutes and 22 seconds. Um, and I ask everyone: Is there anything you want to plug? Uh, the band, anything on Instagram? Yeah, no, for sure. Check us out on all socials if you haven't already. Uh, Counterpunch Rock on Instagram. If, if you're still using Facebook, we're uh, we're on there too. Facebook. Um, I don't I don't plug anything regard with regards to Twitter at all or X or whatever it's called because it's literally a cesspool of garbage these days. Yeah. But um, we're on there too. If you know you want to pop a like, we always announce shows. You know that's part of the part of the media social media cycle that goes through our stuff youtube you name it we're on every social media possible and every streaming network give us a listen and uh if you're up around Pusa, we're playing on saturday i believe this year at cleopatra along with a bunch of uh other thousand islands records bands and i couldn't be more stoked that's awesome i dude. love those dudes yeah they're wicked okay man um so yeah uh stay in line uh thanks for doing this yeah man thank you